0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shift for Brains. I'm Bill Carr, and I'm coming to you from Halifax, also known as Shibuktuk, Unceded Mi'kmaq Territory. This is the second in a two-parter on ethical meat. Now, what often happens when we shift our brains is that it results in a shift in how we live our lives. That's what happened to me when I went from full-on carnivore to plant-based vegan. When my son Alex heard I was a vegan, after he stopped laughing and realized I was serious, he said, gee dad, you have a lot of slaughter to make up for, I remember your barbecues. And he was right. But I didn't make an instant leap from blood-soaked butcher to vegan, I transitioned. I went from not as much red meat to just chicken and fish, moving quickly to only fish, also known as a pescatarian which nobody knew the meaning of, and then to an adamant vegetarian and finally, after a lot of brain shifting, To plant-based vegan. And that is why these two episodes of Shift for Brain have been so challenging for me. I realize that while many agree that the industrial farming methods are unsustainable and cruel, there's still quite a journey from there to no more meat or fish or dairy, plant-based vegan who won't wear leather shoes. Two of the people who are at different points on this journey are featured in this segment. One has transitioned completely and is adamant about his stance. The other has moved as far as he feels he needs to. They have both, like me, shifted their brains, but arrived at slightly different points on their journey. Each has valid and well thought out rationales for their decisions. So sit back and prepare to possibly have this episode of Shift for Brains, shift your brain, and then maybe your behavior. So I'm here with David Baxter and I, and I have one simple question. Um, how are you about the idea of ethical meat?
1: Uh, I would say I'm fairly strongly involved in, in uh, the issue, not publicly, but in my own space.
0: How did you, how did you uh, arrive at any conclusions that you have?
1: Well, it's been probably 30 years since I've purchased any grocery store meat we've been living here. We had a neighbor who, uh, raised dairy and beef cattle. And for many years, I've been buying a side or a whole cow from him, um, each year or a year and a half whenever he had something. And we were raising our own meat birds and I have been, we have been completely off, uh, commercial-raised meat of of really any kind for 30 years or so.
0: so. Was that a a conscious decision?
1: Oh, definitely. We were not interested in... (laughs) We just saw the difference between uh, the meat that we were consuming here and able to procure from our neighbor and... And, and a, another neighboring farm that, that raised meat locally and in a very small scale compared to what we saw and tasted in the supermarket. So we just would not buy it if we were somewhere and someone was serving uh, a big Costco steak. We might take a piece just to keep the piece, but generally it was done yeah. <laughs> quietly and then the minimal amount eaten and then left
0: now was that because of the taste and the quality of the meat itself or was it did it have to do with the treatment of the animals
1: it was all those issues the taste the quality of the meat you know the 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 uh, advertised prime quality you know a1 beef which never tasted to us like prime quality a1 beef and we knew how it was raised we had I was aware of of uh you know the huge uh factory farms and the the uh feedlots and uh, what they were feeding the cattle and how they were treated so we weren't interested. And so we on our own um you know found ways up here to to make ourselves feel a little better about what we were eating <laughs> which is what it was was making ourselves
0: feel better about it. And so. then what happened? And then what, what there was a, a well, genesis um,
1: there. My my neighbor uh, th- four years ago stopped um, raising, he retired, he was an old man in his mid, late 80s and he stopped raising beef. We did find another um, neighbor a little farther away who was raising it in a slightly more... Um, a more serious method, but still we knew what he was feeding. We we saw where his hay came from. We he wasn't using a feedlot to fatten them up, and we knew what we were dealing with. And we started. We decided to raise pigs uh, three years ago. So we were um, for the last three years we had been raising two pigs uh, a year. Um, the first year we took them to. Uh, a local slaughterhouse Um, this was something that I didn't like to do but you know it's the well if we're going to raise them we should be involved you know somewhat in knowing what where they're going and what's happening so we did that the first year we raised our, our meat birds every year the same way we would buy either you know, one or two lots of chicks in the spring and then raise them in, in groups and take them off in their cages. How many would that be? Um, between 30 and 60 a year, depending on, on how many people were around. We we had extended family and we often had larger groups to, to eat. So we would have enough for sort of one a week was the way we looked at it. Try to have that in in the end. And... It was never fun. I it was never uh, a pleasant day loading them into the crates and taking them off um, to their meet their maker. But we again were buying mostly organic feed and felt you know reasonably good about them having a, a real free range life. And we thought, well, oh, that's that's all right. We're we're doing the right thing. And then last year i helped with the slaughter of the animals i didn't actually pull the trigger but i helped and was involved in in cleaning them and i had helped my my uh, father-in-law clean a deer or two over the years that he had shot and i wasn't uh, i was aware of the process and not um, not too averse to being involved i was going to eat the meat and i you know it's it's the it, the um what you often hear is that you know it, i'd rather know what i'm eating and or who i'm eating and uh uh then not if i'm going to do it i should i should have some involvement and this year i actually took an active part in in the slaughter and did one animal and um, skinned and cleaned and and uh, butchered the animal myself in the pigs, one of the pigs, and uh, since the previous year, it had been weighing on me when this time was going to be coming, and, you know, we, we kept them for, for five months, and you get to know the animals, and you start thinking, you know, I'm looking at this animal in terms of <laughs> what it's going to be in my freezer, and There was something about the cold-hearted ability to slaughter this animal after having watched um, a couple of Netflix series on things like the history of World War II and a lot of other slaughters where you watch people able to turn off their, their... real feelings about what's going on and, and kill something based on an ideology uh, a supposed need or whatever that had been weighing on me and after we finished this job this year and I took them to the person who was going to butcher them and prepare them um, and do the meat I just decided I didn't need to do this anymore. And if I'm not going to be involved in the raising of the animal for the meat I'm going to eat, I'm not going to eat meat. And, um, this is, it's not, um, this is not done from a, a belief that, um, it's wrong to eat meat particularly. I we had been vegetarians for about three years. Our family had when my daughter was eight or nine, she went through a phase after watching a Disney movie about fish that she was not going to be, uh, didn't want to eat meat. So we, we didn't, we um, were vegetarian. That is not to say that I wouldn't eat meat if I were out somewhere and it was, I, I knew where it had come from. I am and always have been a meat lover. I love good pork, I love good chicken, good beef, good lamb. And so making a decision not to eat it anymore is not a simple one because you have to, I I had to, I had to stop justifying my love of meat and enjoying it so much. Um, I had to stop justifying my ability to be involved in in doing something which was really difficult for me. I had to stop letting those two um, fight it out in my head and let let my uh, my love of meat win the battle, because I really didn't, I don't need to eat meat, and I know that from, from having gone through a period of three years where we didn't, and there are many meals that I have. My wife is an excellent pizza maker, and we have pizza. I could eat pizza seven days a week, and I don't need or even think about meat on a pizza when I'm eating it. It's it's, it doesn't matter. It's so good that that's what I eat. And, and it was sort of that realization that I, I can't, I really just can't justify killing, for me and for us, killing sentient animals to provide a food source that I do not need in my life. So there was there's where my decision came from and we we are not rush I mean we have two three freezers you know virtually full of, of this year's meat supply and I'm we're going to use them up we're not I'm not going to throw out and you know uh, product from an animal that has died for us and just get rid of it or give it to someone we'll eat it slowly and carefully, and we'll slowly phase in um, um, incorporating more and more vegetarian and vegan. We have a very good vegan cookbook, but I'm, um, I'm not going to be a, a strict anything, but we will have more and more vegetable meals. We, we grow our own vegetables. So that was part of what we were doing here was looking after all our food needs as much as possible. And uh we can definitely do it with with the size of the garden we have, we can provide ourselves with 95% of what we need. Um
0: So you're not going vegan.
1: I'm not going vegan. And
0: Would would it be fair to say would it be fair to say yet or or is, that a, is there a movement uh, in that, like, with regards to eggs and, and, and cheese, with, you know? With
1: regards to eggs and cheese, with and honey, and I, honey, I yes. have a I really hard honey. problem with, I have yet to hear an argument that has convinced me that uh, there is a problem with consuming eggs from a bird which lays an egg a day, and we give a really good life to for the three to four years it's doing that, and we don't kill off our egg laying birds when they stop being productive we keep on feeding them they have we know all our chickens we know how they're doing how well they live we uh, have a good relationship with them i don't see that it makes any difference that i'm eating those eggs we let some uh we let some fertilize each year we do have a rooster as well any more than i feel that like the catholic church does that every egg that a woman has has to become a child uh, so as far as chickens and eggs uh we will i will continue to eat eggs i actually hope to have a dairy cow which will also have a really good life and I eat a lot of cheese and dairy products and yogurt, and I, I, I just don't have. I have never heard an argument for a small-scale person doing that. Being at the same time fully aware that when I was when we were raising our own meat and feeling fully justified in doing that, that. We could only do that because we happen to be in a very lucky position. Everyone can't live on 300 acres of land in a rural area and have the ability to do that without interfering with neighbors, without interfering, you know, with in a city. You, you just can't get away with that. So, realizing, well, it's all right for us, we, won't eat, we don't eat the factory meat, but we can keep on doing this, uh, everyone can't do it. And because everyone can't do it, it's a it is a um, in a way kind of a selfish uh, well we made a decision to do what we're doing to live the way we're doing therefore we can go on doing this and it's all right with the with the um, idea of being vegan I know the local beekeeper I know how he keeps his bees and he doesn't kill off his hive every year. He winters them over. They have lots of food that they provided for themselves. We buy his honey. Uh, Those bees are pollinating the crops around here, including our apple trees. And to me, I look at honey, eggs, and dairy as being a non-invasive and justifiable way of living the life we live as long as we are living here realizing that in a way it still is a bit of a you know it's a it's a a selfish somewhat selfish approach because I'm also aware that this is not something that 7 billion people can do the way the world is set up now
0: but but it but in terms of in terms of how you feel about it there, there's there's a symbiotic relationship with these with the eggs and the, and the honeybees and all of that and the other the other just didn't seem justifiable anymore
1: yeah that that's exactly it i we were killing those animals to to feed ourselves and in this case we we're actually providing a really uh, good life compared to the life it would have in, in any other uh, aspect. Realizing of course that cows do not live on their own and they don't roam wild and that they're in this or at least in, in North <laughs> <Not> America. anymore. <laughs> they're not a you know a, a free range animal but they're, I don't any more than having a dog and giving a dog a good home that we adopt from somewhere um, is not a uh, torture to that dog that dog loves us and we love the dog and i hear people arguing about that that no one should have any pet and so i always have to look at what my real belief is deep down and whether i accept you know uh, what parts of an argument i listen to and what parts of an argument i say i don't have a problem with someone else doing that but i'm not going to do that because i don't i don't honestly deeply believe it whereas i did honestly deeply believe i I came to deeply believe that it was not right to be killing animals for us to eat that's
0: thank you so much
2: i'm here with derek sweet
0: derek tell us a little bit about you first
2: I'm the chairman and founder of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise Corporation, and I eat a plant-based diet, and I'm happily married, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm the author of a few books. Okay.
0: Uh, Tell me, were you always a vegetarian, always a vegan, always plant-based?
2: No, no, no. Um, Like most people, I eat meat. I eat a standard diet most of my life. And uh, it was just, you know, I I don't think I would have made this move had I not been married to Marsha, my wife. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was the one that really led me down this path. However, I will say this. I never felt comfortable eating meat. I always felt, even when I was a child, I mean, I've never felt it was the right thing to do. But because, you know, it was how I was brought up. It's how all of us have been brought up. I thought it was like, it's just me, you know.
0: Well, you felt weird not wanting.
2: Yeah, and so I was the guy who would have whatever, a steak, a hamburger, chicken, and I would just put so many spices and sauces on it so it would be disguised as something other than dead carcass because that's really what it is. You know, you're eating the dead remains of an animal that wanted to live. And I think there's a part of me that intuitively kind of screamed out, hey, this is the reality here. This is not right. This isn't you. This isn't normal. So...
0: Isn't you. That's, that's interesting that you say that. So, that. so that instinct was from the time you were young. Mm-hmm. And then where what, what, what began the shift beyond, beyond that intuition of that feeling?
2: I think initially it wasn't so much what is ethical, you know, caring about the other. It was more about diet and, and you know, living a long life, vitality, not having cancer. I mean the fact that one out of 2 men in Canada will have some kind of cancer one out of 2.5 women in Canada will develop some kind of cancer it's frightening until you look at where the source of cancer is coming from meat dairy eggs processed foods but especially meat especially processed meat
0: mm-hmm. so and 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 when and when, that research that work that you came to that innocently but quickly i would imagine
2: I came to the realization, uh, you know, the the factual information, but there I was like a lot of people when you find out about nutrition, yet you have your traditions. Think about it. Uh, We have a birthday. We have a celebration, a wedding, an anniversary. What do we do? We celebrate it. With what? With food. What kind of food? Meat. (laughs) Sugary stuff. Um, So to kind of let go of that and go down this other road, which was far less traveled, was an adjustment. And... Initially, I remember and I I remember like it was yesterday how uncomfortable I felt with this transition and and the worries, the concerns I had based on all the lies I've been storing in my mind for a lifetime that, for example, milk does the body good. Let's talk about that for a second. Milk does not do the body good. You know, we're, we're taught, we're lied to by the media and the government allows it. You see these ads that basically milk promotes strong bones for a cow, for a cow, because here's what happens. The sugar in in dairy is called lactose. Um, We human beings have an enzyme that processes, that unlocks the nutrients out of lactose called lactase. Well, by the time most of us are five, we no longer produce that enzyme, so therefore, we consume cheese or yogurt or milk, and our body says, alert, alert, foreign invader, and it actually releases calcium. Get this, it releases calcium from our bones to flush it out. You know, it goes through our organs and we have stones produced and you know not we're not even talking about the fact that the primary protein in dairy is casein which accelerates cancer growth. It accelerates IGF1 which is cancer growth.
0: Yeah. And, and, and this, is, this is aside from all of, the, the, any, of the, any of the morality about a sentient being, about any of that, this is just about nutrition for us as humans, for you, for you.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. When I, when I started to load up my brain with all this information, I felt really optimistic. I thought, oh boy, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to tell everybody about this. You know about the nutritional benefits, the longevity, the cognitive improvements um the ethical conversation but it really i met resistance upon resistance upon resistance and i've realized something that if you're going to if you're going to create a movement or be part of a movement from a a positive perspective you can't guilt people into anything you have to show them the benefits you have to show them the wonderful uh, side effects of going down this road of making this decision, and, and that's that's a challenge.
0: Yeah. Did you Did you start with Did you go vegetarian, vegan? Did you go vegetarian, fish, pescatarian? Did you What? How did How did that? I, I was what vegetarian. Was
2: the yeah, I was vegetarian first, and I, like a lot of people, I had a difficult time giving up dairy. And as far before I even went vegetarian, I I, I just couldn't get rid of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I laugh at it now, but I. I there's a book out um, that talks about salt, sugar, and the taste of sour. And, and, and what we get addicted to in the case of meat often is the, the taste of the fat. Mm. You know, there's something very calming about eating fat. Uh, even though you're killing your body, you're saturating your arteries with all this fat. But there, there was a satisfaction that I had from the, the, the actual skin of the, of the dead animal. And that's how I... It's funny, you know, people, people don't look at it when they're at Kentucky Fried Chicken, for example. They don't say, are you enjoying the skin of the dead animal? <laughs> yes, they don't tend to bring that up no. in, the, in the ads. <laughs> because if they did, they, they'd light up a part of their brain, the compassionate part of your brain, the part of your brain that opens the door for you to develop spiritually... And we live in a world where the norm is to not be spiritually awake.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And part of the the prison cell, the bars are all these various beliefs about how you should look at the world and the other. The other is separate from you. The other is someone to be feared. The other one is someone to suspect. The other one does not have your best interest in mind. So when we have that belief reinforced every day with food, we're eating the other, that dead animal that wanted to live, that was happy, that perhaps was a mother, that loved their baby, we don't even go there. Because it's very uncomfortable to move from who you think you are and what you think you know and what you think is ethical and normal to a place where you suddenly realize that this is murder, this is cruelty, and I'm an accessory to murder by eating it, and we don't want to go there. We, no. we hang on with every fiber of our being to have that conversation.
0: Well, the, I mean, if you look at the grocery stores, like to reinforce your point, in the grocery stores, they have pictures of happy cows in fields, and then they have wrapped, condensed, already cut up, done things that you can buy. Mm. But, there's, but it, especially the urban folk never, have that, never make that connection. Mm-hmm. Don't have to. In yeah. fact, are not, are not, not only don't have to, but are, are discouraged from doing so.
2: Yeah. Do you think? Well, I live out in the country, so I see these animals all the time. In fact, I'm going to buy a cow. Paul, okay. right? As, as you know, I have horses Yeah. and they're my pets or my children, um, but I want to buy a cow, baby cow, and raise it from, you know, I don't know, whatever, whenever they're weaned off mom mm-hmm. and I uh, just to teach people, just to make videos and, 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 you know, train the cow to do something where people, people have to associate intelligence yeah. uh, before they start to be compassionate about an animal, you know, so.
0: Well, it's amazing figure. how many people are very quick to say, oh, what's happening in, you know, there was the, all these dog farms, meat farms in Korea was one place that they were talking about it in China, and and there's sort of an outrage at this. And yet there's, there, there's no outrage about what's happening to cows in our own country and, mm. and sheep and chickens mm. and everything else.
2: Mm. And, and we're labeled as extreme, you know, just for caring. And, and fortunately, that is, there's a shift happening right now. More and more people, are, people like myself and you, are, are having a discussion with people. Um, for example, I was invited to a dinner with a bunch of business owners, very successful entrepreneurs, and I almost didn't go. Because it was at a steakhouse. Right on. Huh? And I eat a plant based diet. Yep. So I, I told the organizer about my hesitation and my concern. But I also thought, what an opportunity. Mm-hmm. There I am around people eating dead flesh. And a lot of it was burnt. And we'd go around, we'd have the opportunity to go around the room and see what we're thinking. <laughs> and I did. And I said, Did you know that one out of two men in Canada will develop some kind of cancer and there was women in the group as well and one out of uh, two and a half women will develop some kind of cancer and you're all eating cancer growing uh, material right now and I'm looking around and I'm looking at your uh, what's on your plate and it's not only is it cancer growing material it's burnt so you have carcinogen on carcinogen on carcinogen and the way it was cooked, and I just had a wonderful time enlightening these people. Um, uh, did they find it as a wonderful time? Did I, they did, did, not, I wonderful did not. It was not well received. <laughs> but I had the floor. Yeah. And, they, and I have a responsibility to the planet. This little blue dot that we live on, I'm more concerned with how the blue dot is impacted by what I do than the egos of the people who are defending the choices that are hurting the little blue dot. I'm much more concerned about the blue dot. Right. And, that, and that, that, becomes a, that becomes a moral stance but it also becomes a
0: life stance in, mm-hmm. in terms of, of action. It's one thing to hold it quietly and say this is what I believe and I'm not going to impose it on anyone and it's another to say something's being imposed on you. This is what I'm hearing you say. By affecting that blue dot, it's affecting your planet as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're just—they're
0: saying right now. I just read this morning that that uh, there's been a, a, a study released that Asia will run out of seafood within 20 years. I think it is something like that, or even less. They will run out because they've because they've destroyed the stocks, which means that species, species, and species and species will be disappearing. That's. I mean that's affecting everybody, and that's that's a diet choice that they're making. They're they're pillaging the oceans, and we know it. And there's now scientific evidence saying it. So for us to stand quietly by, says what?
2: You know what? You just reminded me. There's an author you must get on your program. His name is Richard Openlander. Mm-hmm. He wrote a book called Uncomfortably Aware. He wrote another one on food choice and sustainability, Right, and that man has done more research on what we're doing to our planet. It will just, you must get him on your program.
0: You said, you, you told me before we, we started this thing, that you had, seen, had watched a video. There was one video in particular that kind of affected you when you first started, when you first made the decision. There was one that kind of got you.
2: Yeah, it was Earthlings earth what earthlings earthlings yeah earthlings.com yeah 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 and it's narrated by joaquin phoenix okay and it basically showed me something about humanity that i just never really thought about and i I guess the the documentary was about two hours so Mm -hmm. we sat there for two hours and there was one scene in the documentary where, you know, it's obviously talking about sentient beings and how we treat them and why we use them as food. And, and they went all over the world. And at this one part of the documentary, they were in India and they were taking these two guys were at the back of a garbage truck and they were putting a dog in the back of the truck, in the garbage. And, you know, it's a kind that, you know, would squash the dog like it would any other um, thing you put in it. And I just broke down. I don't know what part, of, what part of the documentary that part was, right. but I had already witnessed so much um, in, not just cruelty, but insanity. Mm-hmm. Because to allow this kind of treatment of other, and you gotta keep coming back to the, those words, sentient beings, mm-hmm. a being that experiences love and joy and is innocent. As, as someone who is so, even somewhat interested in understanding ethics, as someone who is somewhat interested in knowing what it's like to be spiritual, not in the religious context, but in the spiritual context, at the very least, it is be kind. At the very least, it is do no harm to others. That's how we wake up our world. That's how we solve the the water problems and the pollution problems and the war problems and the greed problems and the corruption problems. We remember that and we start with our food yeah, because it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. You're meditating three times a day if you eat three times a day. I eat twice a day, so I meditate twice a day. And isn't it wonderful to know every time I eat, nothing was murdered. And people who are eating meat, they don't like to hear that word because no, that we, reflects a very… They think that's emotive. Yeah. But, but for you, it is emotive. For me, it's not just emotive. It's reality. It's black and white. It's not there's not a gray area here. Mm-hmm. That thing on your plate was murdered. That thing on your plate was petrified in the final hours of its and seconds of its life. And that that tear is in that flesh and you're absorbing it and you're becoming part of it. That is not something I want to put in my body. And that's what you
0: said what you just said there uh, there was a time when that would have been considered you know that's about energetics a new age uh, gobbledygook but in fact the science now says that's exactly correct that there is that there is an energetic yep. uh, transformation that happens in the cellular at a cellular level with the animal that's being killed in fear mm-hmm. and that that is that affects us
2: I don't need any kind of whatever machine to measure the terror I feel it yeah. like I remember when I was eating I felt I felt Weak, and I just felt like there was something wrong. And now being on a plant-based diet for, I'm in my sixth year, I'm 54 years old. And I have more energy today than I had when I was 14. Yeah, that,
0: that's, you can't, you can't, you can't, <laughs> we, can't we can't knock these no. things. And somebody, somebody was saying, yeah, somebody said, it's anecdotal. And I said, I don't care. It's real <laughs> for me. Right. Yeah. So, so if you were, if you had a, uh, to summarize, to, to, to pull it together, of all of the, uh, changes that, that have gone that you've gone through did you feel did you find that there was not only an, an energetic change that way but was there an energetic change um, in terms of aggression in terms of anger in terms of emotion
2: did something change with you with the change of the diet the calmness I mean people my friends say I have a lot of energy but I don't I don't really feel like I'm that energetic I just feel like I'm excited mm-hmm. but for me when I'm thinking about my state I think I feel calm. I may be very like very excited on the outside, but on the inside I'm very calm and I know I know that wouldn't be if I wasn't eating this way. There's a calmness, there's a peace. Yeah. And maybe some of it's psychological, but I know a lot of it's actually physical as well. Because and Those my, two
0: things, it's hard to separate those two things, things anyway. Well,
2: right? your body's not processing all the waste and all the right. harm to get rid of it. Your body's basically taking these nutrients and putting them to work right away. And I'd say another benefit to eating this way is my cognitive abilities have gone through the roof. As you know, I'm an analyst. I do research on nutrition and disease, and I also do research on investing. Mm-hmm. My stock picks have gone through the roof for four years in a row. of my stocks have made money. Many of them have gone up 300, 400, 500%. And you can say, well, it's your research. It's not just my research, it's my cognitive abilities that are no longer blocked by the saturated fat and whatever else is going on by eating a, a meat-based so diet. So
0: even your intuition, you feel, has been enhanced by this process?
2: My intuition, but my cognitive abilities, because I don't have that kind of slow, the slowness as far as my blood flow going through my arteries, going around the fat, the saturated fat, it's just going, it's moving. Yeah. My thoughts are f- so fast compared to before. So there's no there's no thought of... of there's no thought of going back. There's no
0: thought of, of doing of going, you know, to you know. Well, I'll will start fish again or any of that. I would That's die. Not. I
2: would I would, would choose do. death okay. than to um, participate in death, to cause another to die, because I have the choice and my choice will always be kind. I lead with kindness and generosity and gratitude mm-hmm. always.
0: Do you think? Do you think that given and, and and the stock market is a good sort of segue in a sense. Um, there's a, there's a logic, there's a science coming out that about nutrition that that seems to be reinforcing what you're saying, that, that is definitely reinforcing what you're saying. There's there's a lot of uh, uh, environmental science that says plant-based diet is actually more beneficial for the planet because it doesn't take as much of the planet to have a plant-based diet as it does to have cows and chickens and, and sheep. Um, do you think that there's going to become uh, an, an economic and and logic, science, logic, rule, you know, um, not rule, but uh, evidence, an evidence-based thing that's gonna move move people more and more that way?
2: Well, the UN did the right thing back in 2009. They came out with a statement and they said the world must convert to a plant-based diet because we're, our resources, we just don't have the resources to feed 9 billion people, which is where we're headed where very we're soon. Going, yeah. We don't have the resources. And if we continue down this path, we're going to have global warming accelerating. We're going to have climate change going through the roof. Um, And we're still doing this. I mean, we're still depleting our resources. We're still contaminating our water. There's 18,000 factory farms in North America every day that waste is seeping into our water tables in North America. Every day, it's finding its way into lakes and rivers and the oceans. Acidification is a real deal, and we need those oceans. We need to have healthy oceans because it's not just the trees that are the lungs of our planet, it's the ocean that's Mm. the lungs of our planet. So we're basically killing our lungs, and again, people don't want to hear acidification. Most people don't even know what it is. They think it's like some kind of heartburn.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it is for the, for the planet, it is. Yeah. All right. Derek, thank you so much. This has been good. I Pleasure. appreciate it. Pleasure. I appreciate it. And the, and the one thing that, I, that I, I do take away from all of this is, is that, is that, it, that it, there's an emotional quality to it for you. There's a logical quality to it for you. And there's an inevitability. Is that fair to say?
2: Mm-hmm. It will happen. Unfortunately... It's not going to happen until we're much, much worse off. Yeah. Until you just can't ignore what everyone was saying is going to happen, and then it's going to, boy, is it ever going to be a challenge to reverse it.
0: The tipping point's coming. Yeah. If it hasn't already arrived. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Very much. Thank you for listening to Shift for Brains. If you wish to comment, or you want to join in the discussion, or... You want to give us some ideas for future podcasts? You can contact us on Twitter at ShiftBrainsPod, on Facebook at ShiftForBrainsPod, or on our website ShiftForBrains.ca. This is a creative endeavor brought to you from Arc, whose mandate is to create space for authentic human exchange. If you want to know more about Arc, we're on Twitter at ArcWorksCA, Facebook backslash ArcWorksCA or at our website, arcworks.ca.